Welcome back to another episode of the Growing Lean Podcast. This is your host, Ethan Halfide, another episode sponsored by Lean Discovery Group. I'm here with Elizabeth Anderson. She is the CEO of Lunar Lab, an industry-leading UX design and product strategy firm. Thank you, Elizabeth. So glad to be here. Happy to be here. So offline, we were speaking about your ethos and everything behind Lunar Lab, and it's a very ethically driven company, a very value-oriented company. Let's talk about that, but also talk to me about why the and is so key in between UX design and product strategy. The and is extremely important for us. So we call ourselves UX design and product strategy. And what that means to us is that it's not one or the other. Um, UX design and product strategy are equally important to anybody's software products. Um, we want them to be equally important in you know, creating the product and thinking about the product. You have to have both in order to be successful. Um, so I can talk a little bit about the background of how we got here, if you'd like and how that and became so important, because I think it'll make a little sense. Absolutely. I'm always fascinated by the origin story behind businesses, but behind the people that start those businesses. So let's go into there. Yeah, how, can you tell us about the history and the background of your business and you as well? Yeah. So um, history of the business is that myself and my co-founder, Kelly, uh, we had worked together at several different companies and she's on the UX side. I've always been on the project management and product management side. Um, so we worked together several different places. And a lot of times UX design and product, those roles kind of fight like cats, cats and dogs. So, like Those roles do not always like each other. But we found that we had some kind of I don't know, magic happening. And every time we worked together, it was great. Like we never fought with each other. There was not a lot of arguments. You know, what we always found was that, you know, she would come up with solutions. I would come up with solutions. And when we put our heads together, we would come up with a much better solution that either one of us could have come up with our on our own because it was marrying the UX design with the product strategy. And we tend to think of those two things as being two sides of the same coin. And they are both so important. And when they work together really seamlessly, we just saw the types of products that we were creating were becoming so much more successful and becoming so much more meaningful. They had better you know, feature suggestions and um, because they were so tightly aligned to the business. So I think that's kind of where that and came in is making sure that those two things are so aligned with each other, so aligned with the business, and that can really take these products really far. So that's kind of how we came about and how we ended up launching this business. There's a little bit more to that story, but um, the key thing is that she and I worked together forever, and then we launched our business together to just sort of take it in a new direction. That sounds good. It sounds like a very customer-centric, customer empathy, customer discovery-oriented yeah. approach to launching products, right? Yes, very much so. And it's why we do a lot of the user research. So of course, we also do user research as part of our company. And we always lean so heavily onto that because you can make assumptions about a product all day long. We can assume and assume and assume and do a lot of guesswork. And sometimes that guesswork is good. Sometimes it pays off, but a lot of times it's not. And I love getting into the customer discovery sessions and doing the user research and basing everything that we're coming up with on actual data and real customer feedback and real potential user feedback, real market feedback, because sometimes you get in those sessions and you get really surprised, right? Sometimes you're assuming one thing, you think you're going to go one direction with this product. And all of a sudden you find out that that's not even a problem that people have. It's, you know, or maybe it's a problem that people have, or they're not willing to pay for it, or maybe they need it solved in a totally different way than what you were thinking. And it can just be so powerful as part of the business. I'm actually curious, the more that you talk about that, I think every business needs that. But 
you know, I, I have a tough time understanding who is your like ideal customer. Like, it, who are you like who is experiencing the best results from your services? Oh my gosh, that is such a funny question, and it's one that we get asked all the time. And it's kind of anybody who's building software, right? Which is not a very it's it's very hard for us as much as we coach people to segment their markets and really think about who you're targeting. It can be sometimes difficult for us because we have worked with you know, every business size under the sun from brand new startups all the way up to enterprise corporations, every possible industry. If you can think of an industry, we have worked on software in that industry. And I mean, everything from like enterprise healthcare products to fintech to social media startups. To, we worked on a popcorn company one time. I mean, it was like literally everything under the sun um, and businesses of all sizes and types. So I hate to say everybody, but it is kind of everybody. So target customer is if you are building software, please come and talk to us because we can help you make that software and make a lot of money for you. I I love it. So it's more, it's actually similar to how I wanted to position my business. They were like, who are you going to help? You know, what's, what are you going to specialize in? What tech stacks? I more so wanted to specialize in our methodology, right? Like yeah. here's how we approach problem solving. We can workshop yeah. with you and you guys are very similar. That's why I have so much respect and admiration for your business. Uh, and and one thing as well that I have a lot of respect for, you have like your values at the ethos of like all of the, the like basically your website copy and the things that sell me on your business. I see a lot about values, right? And I want to give you time, as much time as you need to talk about that. I look at one, you guys donate a portion of your annual profits to ethical, sustainable causes. But also, yeah. I remember when we spoke offline, you spoke to me more so specifically about your internal ethos with your team members. So uh, definitely tell people how I, I think people see sometimes or they see like focusing on stuff that isn't directly tied to profit as something that could be a threat to the business, right? Oh, you're spending money on things that aren't going to come back. But I think you're a very core example of how it can come back many times over. Yes, yes. So um, I have so much to say on this topic. I'm going to take it back just a little bit to the founding of our business. Um, you know, there are these stats around women in tech. My co-founder is also a woman and how they so often leave the tech industry. Uh, and that can happen for all these different reasons. But one of the issues for us was because sometimes we were work, being asked to work on products that we didn't really feel that aligned with our kind of values as ourselves and that kind of sucks right like nobody wants to work on something that they don't feel aligned to that they don't feel like it's going to put good in the world and when we started our business we knew right from day one that we wanted to do the right thing and we wanted to do something good for people and so like I said a lot of women leave tech at that point in their careers but we just sort of doubled down and we were like why should we leave we should just stay here and try to make it better as much as we can so in the very beginning of our business even when we were sitting down we were actually in my garage. It was during COVID. We were sitting there talking about how we were going to start this business together. And we knew that we wanted to be able to help other people. That was so important to us from the beginning. Eventually, we became a public benefit corporation, which means that we it's a its a legal distinction for your business. It just means that we're a for-profit company. But as part of our legal framework for the business, we are required to consider positive social impact. And that was the easiest decision in the world to make because I always tell people the only thing that we had to change was our name. We went from Lunar Lab to Lunar Lab Benefit. That is it. That's really all. We were already doing all of the legal requirements that are in place to become a public benefit corporation. So 
that has always been so, so important to us. And it's been there since day one. Now we're on our journey to become B-Lab certified. That is really exciting. A lot of hard work, but definitely worth it. And it does totally pay off. You know, we have heard so many times people say, oh, well, you know, if you're not focused on profits, but that's not true. We are focused on profits, obviously, you know, we're a business and so we got to make money here, but we're also focused on people because who cares if you're making a bunch of money, if you're doing it in a way that hurts people like that, that's not going to help me sleep at night. Actually, I just finished this weekend, um, the, the book built to last by Jim Collins. And it was so great because one of the sections that he talks about is these wildly successful visionary companies are so many of them. Actually, I think all of them in his study were focused on, you know, people first, and then profit. And what they found in their book is something that I see every single day is that if you focus on the people, the profits will come. And that's not just people in the sense of our customers. It's also people and people that we work with, people in the community who use the products that we're designing. I mean, everybody can be involved and it's so important. I think it goes back to that conversation about the and, right? Being so important. It's not profit or people. It's profit and people for us. And we have seen it come back. I think it makes a difference. You know, it's funny. I don't know if you saw me look off to the right because like right on my desk right there is built to last. And I referenced that book so many times because, you know, I've I've experienced this. Maybe you have experienced this too. As your business has grown, it, you know, it, it's important to be so, uh, what does he always say? Stimulate progress while preserving the core. Yes. And with a volatile business or like ups and downs of a small business, right? Especially with, we had like a little somewhat recession in the corporate world, right? Companies were spending a little bit less. That was a true test of like preserving those core values while trying to stimulate progress. And how, you know, I know I'm putting you on the spot, but can you speak to an example of how you're able to do that? Oh, yeah. Um, I would, we've just never, we've just never taken it out of what we do every day. I mean, it's just part of, Every single day at Lunar Lab, we are so focused on um, what we do, why we started this company. I'd say we're really tightly aligned to our vision, um, which is to, you know, empower people to get great economic outcomes for themselves and, you know, create a better world. We try to do that through innovation and collaboration. But we've, we've always been so heavily focused on that. Um, as another thing from that book is, uh, how does he say it? He says, um, you know, bring it back to the knitting, but like the knitting, uh, meaning uh, this is our core thing that we're focused on, which is helping other people. And if your core thing is just helping other people, that's so easy, right? Because everything that we do, we just have to ask ourselves, is this something that is genuinely benefiting other people? Um, another quote that we think about pretty regularly as part of our business is this great Upton Sinclair quote. I reference it all the time. It is, um, Oh, I got to make sure that I say it on the spot, right? It is um, a man cannot, um, something along the lines of a man cannot pay attention to something if his salary depends on him not knowing it. Um, <clears throat> so we try to think really heavily about, okay, we're going to make money off of these things, but are we doing it for the right reasons? And that is a very hard conversation to have pretty frequently, especially in the software space, because we have been asked several times to do products that we felt would be harmful. And many, many times we have said, no, I don't think we're going to work on that. And kind of here's the reasons why. And um, people will say, we'll pay you more money. And we'll say, mm, nope, 
can't can't do that. I mean, one time it was literally building a database of people who, you know, if the data in that database got out, those people could be killed. So it was like, there's not an amount of money that I would build a murder database, you know. Um, So I think, you know, it comes back to that core of every single decision, everything that we do, thinking back to why do we start this business? What are we even here for? You know, is it is it to actually make a better world or is it to make more money? And I think for us, it's to make a better world. And the money comes. I mean, we turn down those projects that we're not going to do a murder base, no matter murder database, no matter how much money that you pay us. But that has come back many times in much more ethical products that help me sleep at night. Absolutely. That's beautifully said. Very, very well said. So that's a good segue into the next question. Um, in terms of like, how, and I know I'm jumping around a little bit. We, we spoke about the questions that I want to ask, but I, I really do want to ask, what are the additional challenges and obstacles that you faced um, in your business and how did you overcome them? Well, um, I'd say the the first obstacle that we ever faced in this business was just straight up launching the business. So my co-founder and myself, we have never, we were not like little girls dreaming of becoming entrepreneurs one day. That was like not even on our radar. We are both very cautious people. Um, I'm sure as you know, somebody who is a, um, you know, career project manager and product manager, I am always thinking about risk and risk management, risk mitigation, Um, very, very cautious people. So we were not people who were necessarily going to be starting a business. Now we had a lot lot of experience in business strategy because we have been doing that for such a, a long time. So that, that piece sort of came naturally to us once we got into it. But when we launched, you know, we were both working full-time jobs. Um, it was the middle of COVID. So, you know, we're we're moms and we were homeschooling our kids. And I'm not talking about virtual school. It was like straight up homeschooling, coming up with a curriculum. You know, kids were here all dang day. They were all over us. Nobody could leave the house. It was really challenging. Um, and you know, I think that was hard to start a business in an environment where you literally cannot leave your house. We were like, how are we going to get, how are we going to talk to people and sell our product if we literally just can't leave here? And so we really leaned heavily on social media marketing, not something that either one of us knew a dang thing about. Like we had never in our lives done any kind of social media marketing whatsoever. I mean, I have an Instagram account and it's like not even that good, right? But like we had to get out there. We had to figure out what works, what doesn't. I think for that, I always, this is such a nerdy story, but because we didn't know anything about how to do social media marketing and it was really the only way to get the word out about our business, I went to the library and I checked out every single book that they had on social media marketing. And I think in December of that year, I read every single one of those books cover to cover. Like that's all I did was (laughs) read marketing books. And like every single day I'd be like, Kelly, did you know that, you know, using emojis can increase engagement by 30%? And she was like, I have never known and never cared. But like, it was great because when I learned all of that stuff, I'd put my little emoji on there and it sure enough did increase engagement by 30%. It was amazing. The books are so good. So I'd say there's a lot to be said for if you get in a pickle, if you don't know what you're doing, if you're like, oh my gosh, I got to go in this direction. I've never done this before. Uh, your local library is your friend, right? Like there's so much good information in books and reading and online courses. And I mean, there's so much good information out there and you can just kind of learn this stuff and teach yourself. So lifelong learner here, I'd say anytime people are experiencing a challenge, just learn as much as you can about it and you'll overcome it. 
I, I love that testament. I'm surrounded by books right now. In fact, I just had to put my mic up and I had to move so many books. I'm like, I don't want to move them off of my desk because I reference them so much, like right by my left hand. And yeah. I, I'd love to hear that because I, I don't, I really don't see another way to be a very successful entrepreneur or operator early on because you have to be a one man. I don't want to say a one man band, but one woman band, it, whatever you are, right? Like everybody, you have to kind of be everything starting out and you have to be scrappy and learn and be very resourceful. And that's why um, I really do want to ask, you know, what is your overall business strategy? And you don't have to give me your secret sauce in terms of Lunar Lab, not that we're competitors, but in terms of how you, your business methodology, in terms of growing a business and actually delivering on your value proposition. Oh my gosh. It's so funny that you said the secret sauce, because I feel like we just tell everybody our secret sauce all the time. Um, so one of the things on, if you go to our website, we have a benefit charter, which is just kind of what we use for uh, decision-making within the company. One of the things that it says is that we will give away our, you know, proprietary information to our competitors if we think that it will make the world a better place. And and we will. We've done it. Like we're not afraid to. Um, I, th I think somebody once asked me, like, what would you do if somebody learned your company secrets? And I'm like, what secrets? Right. Like we just we will tell people we do a ton of mentoring with people. We do a lot of pro bono mentoring, especially with historic uh, founders who have been historically excluded from the tech space. And and we. We tell them like this is how we run our business you know maybe it could be successful for you i'd say our biggest strategy is strategy <laughs> like i hate to say it but like really sitting down and thinking about who you are what you're gonna do and then just staying on that like every single day we're really big into goals and we always tell people goals do not have to be this complicated thing right goals do not you don't have to have like okrs and all of these fancy goal setting techniques we set our goals on a quarterly basis on a monthly basis and we do weekly check-ins um, monday and friday and we just stay on them and that has helped us to be so successful to just know exactly where we are going. There's always a direction for us. We know where we're going. We know what we're going to do to get there. The specific actionable steps. You know, we all were big into smart goals over here. So we make them very, very actionable, very, very time bound, you know, something that we can measure and we shift, we shift course all the time. So if we're like, that's not going the way we wanted it to, where do we need to go instead? So I'd say strategy is one thing. The other thing is just going back to helping people because I think at the end of the day, the more people that you help, the better off your business is. And that is a huge way that we measure our business's success is on how many people we have actually helped. Um, it does. It really comes back. I am not kidding around. Like I see it every single day working in this business. People, people know when you're out to help them and they will, you know, be very receptive to that. They want to work with you if they know that you're out to help them because there is a big problem in this space with, you know, service providers in the tech space that will kind of take advantage of you. And people know when you're that kind of business and we're not. And I think that that is, that's a tremendous part of it. So like I said, strategy, goal setting, and, um, you know, doing the right thing every single day. Absolutely. I, I love it. And you reminded me of um, Elon Musk, with Tesla, you know, they're a publicly traded company, but Elon Musk has always said, we get like our, um, I think it's open source, like their technology and all of that with their battery packs, it's all open source. And they're like, our competitors can take this if they want. We're trying to accelerate the pace of sustainable energy adoption, I believe is their mission. So when you see how successful Tesla has become with all the turmoil surrounding it, Tesla became a very successful company. And, you know, I, I see you on the same path. I know different industries technically is still tech, but 
Um, I love the ethos. It, it's a very bright breath of fresh air. And it's something that I want to adopt as well, because, you know, it's an abundance mindset is what you're really demonstrating rather than scarcity. Like, oh, got to make money, got to make money. As a business owner, sometimes you fall into that gap. But how do you, on a personal note, right, mindset and and your methodology, what books have you read? Can you share like a, you know, it's almost like success success coaching as well. Um, I would say on the entire, this is, this is maybe a little esoteric, but I would say on the concept of abundance mindset, um, Thich Nhat Hanh is a, he, he was a Buddhist monk. He just passed away very recently. And so much of what he says about the way that we are all connected to each other is really meaningful to me. So I get a lot of that of um, value out of his writings and his books. He does write a lot about, you know, taking care of yourself and taking care of your community. To me, so much of it is just about community because bringing it back into that profit conversation, when our customers are profitable, we are profitable. <laughs> like every time, one of our biggest KPIs at our company is repeat client rate. And they they will, if you make them money, <laughs> they will repeat, right? They're going to spend some of that money that they made on you. And I think community care. So coming back to the books, I'd say, like I said, Thich Nhat Hanh is so important to me. He writes so much about um, the ways that we can cultivate um, you know, a better mindset for ourselves and for our community and how to really care for people and be empathetic. Um, just hugely impactful on my life. Another one that I would say is um, Mike Montero's books. He's a designer and he is wonderful. He talks so much about how to design things in such a way that we are having a positive benefit on society and really getting serious and thinking about, okay, are we doing something negative here. <laughs> like who are we hurting with the software that we're creating? Um, and he runs a business too. And so I think a lot of that comes back into the way that he runs his business. So Mike Montero is hugely important. Um, yeah, I'd say those are some of my major ones on the book list. I read a lot and sometimes it can be really hard for me to just think, go through my mental category, uh, categorization of like all of these books that I've read. But, you know, anything around the ideas of like empathy and community care and doing the right thing, that really comes into the business strategy because at the end of the day, you can read every book under the sun about specifics of different businesses, but what works for one business is not always going to work for every other business. If you've got your mindset right um, and you're approaching it in the right way and you're making good decisions along the way, you could be doing something that, you know, another company would think is totally crazy. And we do some stuff that other companies think are totally crazy. Like I've had arguments with people where they're like, that will never work. You will never be profitable. These people were super wrong, but you got to find your own way, I think, at the end of the day. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it, so many thoughts that just came from that. But I, I would say when there's so many. Oh, man, I, I would say that we can come into like you talked about quarterly KPIs and all that good stuff. And that was my next question while I, I come back to and kind of digesting what you just said. Um, what KPIs would you say are most important? from the ethical perspective, right? Because you can talk about, okay, profit and loss and all that good stuff. Everyone knows that's important and you're setting yeah. revenue goals, but how do you keep track of delivering on your promise of being an ethical company and value-oriented and renewing based on the profit that's gained from customers and things like that, or customers renewing on the profit that you help them gain? 
Yes. So um, because we're a benefit corporation, it makes it really easy to set up KPIs around that. We're literally required by law because of the way that we are set up to have social impact goals. So, you know, of course we do a ton of charitable donations. Um, we do a lot of volunteer work. We have specific goals around volunteer work. We actually have a charitable giving policy that outlines exactly who we can give to um, and who we can volunteer our time with. We can't just volunteer with some crazy organization. Like we have a, a checklist that we have to go through. And we do a ton of pro bono mentoring for founders from historically excluded demographic groups. That is really powerful because when you think about the tech industry, a lot of times that comes down to founders who are straight white men. And that's not the only people who should have the opportunity to be startup founders, right? So we want to make sure that we are providing, like I said, going back to, we'll just give away our company secrets. We try to give as much information as we know to help people be successful. And we do it for free with our pro bono mentoring services. And those conversations, when those founders come back to us and they're like, oh, I took your advice and I did X, Y, and Z, or I did this other thing that you recommended, or I got hooked up with this person that you said that I should talk to and they really changed my trajectory of my business. Man, that just feels so good. At like, It feels amazing to see people go out there and be able to create a startup that can create generational wealth for themselves, right? And it's not even just for that person you know, when that person goes out and becomes successful, then they create jobs within our community. Our community in Birmingham is suddenly more economically successful. And that all comes back to us as well. So is it always super direct? Not always, but does it does it come back? I think it does. And it just feels good too. <laughs> like at nighttime, I can sleep, right? Because I don't feel like I've been uh, creating a murder database or anything like that. I I'd say another one that's really important to us is we really do take it very seriously on making sure that our the businesses that we work with go out and are successful. So we try to touch base with them and and say, you know, how's it going? How did this, you know, go? Did these designs work out well for you? And one of the absolute best things for us is especially with our startup clients, because it's so easy to track, because they will take our strategy that we created for them and they'll go out and get like $10 million in funding. And oh my gosh, nothing feels better than when you see a founder take your work and go get a ton of funding and then they go and hire a ton of people, right? So they're creating all of these jobs for other people at their company. You know good and dang well that that strategy you created for them was ethically sound you know, and you can feel good about it and they can feel good about it. And it's just, man, it feels great. So I'd say, I'd say watching other people go out and do great things. That's, that's a good KPI for us. It's big. And like I said, those people who go out and get $10 million in funding, guess what they do? They call us back, right? Like they want to work with us again. So that's really good. It's like the butterfly effect, right? It always comes back in some ways. So you speak about um, the importance of kind of vetting um, partners and collaborations and making sure that they are in line with your values. Um, and I call that practicing discernment, right? Because you can partner with anybody who seems to be synergistic and they could always bring more value, business value to you. But um, talk to me about the partnerships and collaborations you formed that have helped you grow your business and your community and how you vetted them to make sure they are in line with your values. 
Yeah, so we work with a ton of accelerators. Um, those accelerator programs are typically nonprofits and they typically work with founders from historically excluded demographic groups. Um, so we always make sure that when we work with those organizations, you know, we've seen their actual impact within the community. They're legit. They're not some weirdos, right? Like a lot of them, you know, you can look them up on GuideStar, Charity Navigator, some of these. So we want to work with organizations like that. We also have a zero tolerance policy for any kind of discrimination or harassment or bias of any kind. So we make that really, really clear with people up front. And I mean, every single person that we work with, it is literally in our contracts that people sign with us um, as clients that, you know, if there is any kind of bias discrimination of any kind, like we just do not tolerate it. We will fire a client for, for that behavior. <clears throat> Excuse me. Even if that means making less money, well, like we're not going to put up with it. Um, we also make sure that everybody knows upfront going into any type of project with us that we will not design for, you know, ethically unsound features. And what that means practically is that if we come across something and we say, hey, you know, we feel like this feature might hurt people and it might not be something as obvious as a murder database, right? It's not in the moment, not always obvious to people that it could be harmful. A lot of times it might be something like, um, you know, a certain way of implementing AI or a certain way of implementing um, direct messaging in a platform. Those can ultimately be harmful. And so we don't design for them, but instead what we will do is do a write-up about it, about like what, you know, where we see the ethical issues with it and what we recommend instead. Um, back to the partnerships, we also work with a ton of marketing agencies and dev shops. It was really funny when we got started because we, we knew we did not want to do development in-house because it can just from our viewpoint, it can kind of create a conflict of interest if you're if the same person is designing it as is developing it. Um, so we knew we didn't want to do that, but we work with a lot of development agencies and we work with a lot of marketing agencies because we know that we can, you know, lift up their services because whatever they are out there creating, we can make it way cheaper for them to develop um, so that it's like more cost effective once they get in there. We can make it, you know, less risky when they get into development so they're not running into a bunch of problems. So you can really help them and create a product that is more likely to be successful, which they want for their clients too. And when we started, it was so funny because we would, you know, reach out to people and want to meet them. And they were like, oh no, it's this new tech company in town. So we would get on a call or go chat with people. And sometimes they would be a little bit like, mm, okay, what do you want? And we'd be like, we want to help you. Like, we, we're not here to compete with you. I sometimes say that we don't really have any competitors because that's just not who we are. We just want to help each other and lift each other up. And we're like, we, you know, we don't want to compete with you. We want to make you more money. And they're like, oh, okay, well, I'm listening now. And so those partnerships have been really, really successful because once they realized that we were not out to, you know, compete with anybody or hurt anybody else's business, they were like, okay, well, let's partner on some things together. And we have, and they have been wildly successful. I think it's just made everybody better because from our perspective, when we get to work with dev shops and marketing agencies, and that can be part of the design and strategy process, we know a little bit more about what works. You know, we know what's technically feasible. We know how this is going to be marketed, you know, out in the marketplace. So it's just a win-win for everybody. And that's, you know, going back to the mindset, that's just who we are. We're all about win-wins. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's about forming those covalent bonds with strong relationships with synergistic companies, right? Yes. So, 
you know, we're, we're wrapping up here and I want to give you time. I have two more questions. One, which is, you know, this is for every small business owner out there. They have something, multiple things to learn from you as, as we've just seen. But what would be like the most important advice you could give someone just starting out or maybe someone that has just started out and they're they're getting lost in the ambiguity of things? What's your your best advice to help them succeed? Um. Oh, I should have thought about this one a little bit more. <laughs> there's okay. so there's so much out there. I would say sit down and be very disciplined about everything that you do. I have always found that that really helps me. I don't believe in multitasking at all. I think that it can't be done. You can't do a million different things at one time, but you can do one thing at a time really well. <laughs> and if you have a plan and you know how you're going to get there, it can feel a lot more achievable. So a lot of times we work with startups who are very early and they're, you know, sometimes pre-revenue and they're like, oh my gosh, I've got all these things I have to worry about. I've got to do marketing and sales and I've got to design this product. And like, there's so many different things and it's very overwhelming. But if you can create a plan for yourself, almost like, you know, in product, we would talk about doing a product roadmap. If you create a roadmap for yourself for success, how you're going to get there, and then just methodically work through each one of those things, identify what it's going to take to get there. Do I have to go to the library and check out every single book about marketing? Whatever it is, do I need to outsource it? Do I need to call somebody? Whatever that is in the plan, if you have a strategic plan to get there and you very methodically and in a self-disciplined way, like work towards each of those items and are willing to shift those items. Like if something comes up and you realize, oh my gosh, this path is not going to work for us anymore, change it. Um, so I'd say that's the, that's the number one. I would say just work very methodically, be self, have a lot of self-discipline and be willing to change when things need to change. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So that, if you could summarize that in one sentence, what would you say? Ooh. A small business um, to make it as actionable as possible. Uh, you know, one of the things that we say at our business is uh, when we sat down and we thought about all of our, you know, how we are going to work and what is our, what is our kind of brand ethos. Uh, one of our big things is just get shit done. So maybe get shit done. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, the, I actually saw that, I think I saw it on TikTok, actually, it was a, a construction owner and every, everyone was asking him, how did he become so successful? And he was so humble. It didn't, he was like, I'm not that smart. I'm not that this, but I pulled the trigger. Like if there's yeah. something to do, I, I go do it. Just if do I it. think there's a strong chance it's going to be valuable for the company, I do it. And yeah, just go. Don't even think about it. Right. Let the sub, <laughs> like, don't try to activate the conscious mind and rationalize it. Just, just go. Um, mm -hmm. So that's, that's very well said. So now, you know, I want to give you the time. One, thank you so much for being a great guest. If there's anyone who wants to get in contact with you as potentially a customer, a business partner, maybe you have a mentee, you know, and someone who just wants to pick your brain, how can they get in touch with you? Yes. Yeah, so our website is www.lunarlab.io. Lunar Lab is um, all one word, lunarlab.io. That's the best way to get in touch with us. We have a contact form there. We always respond to all inquiries. I would love for people to connect with me on LinkedIn as well. It's Elizabeth Anderson. Might be a little bit tricky to find in the sea of Elizabeth Anderson's, but Elizabeth Anderson Lunar Lab is, you know, you're probably going to find me. Definitely reach out. I love connecting with people. I love talking with people. I always have time for people. You know, I want to talk to you. So anyone who's building software, anyone who's thinking about building software, just has an idea and just wants to talk. Like I said, we do a lot of pro bono mentoring and we'll meet with you. 
Absolutely. Elizabeth, thank you so much. This has been a great episode. This is fantastic. Thanks for having me, Ethan. Thank you. Bye.